Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. This weekend, we're finishing up our series that we started a few weeks ago called Level Up. And throughout the series, our goal has been to help you go to the next level. There's this, uh, this, this place I got to as a kid when I was playing video games that if a game was difficult, sufficiently challenging, I would get to a level and I couldn't go to another level because the circumstances or the situations were too hard and I just could not advance any further. And so I was... I had this propensity just to give up, and I think we all do, whenever things get really hard. And we do this not just in things like that, but in life, because life is hard. We give up on marriages. We give up on our finances. We give up in so many things because we go, man, this is hard. And if we're honest, life is hard. I was talking to Kim recently, and she said, I think so many people are struggling because so much of life is, is challenging, it feels like very few things come easily anymore. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And it's all the more important for us to say, okay, God, what do you wanna do in my life to help me go to the next level? Uh, I can't do it on my own. So over the last few weeks, we've talked about this idea that there's new life in Christ. So we respawn, we get a second chance. Um, this, this idea that there is a boss at the end of each level and the only way we can beat that boss is through God. God is the one who fights our battles for us. We don't have the ability to slay the giant but God does. And last week we talked about this idea that, that our life is team play, it's cooperative, that we need others to go to the next level. In order for us to make it to the next level, we need people helping us get there. And this week we're, we're talking about this idea from video games called cheat code. And a cheat code, well, I'll explain it to you this way. Uh, according to Techopedia, a cheat code is generally a code, method, or device used by gamers to advance levels or to get special powers and benefits in a video game. It could be a series of alphanumeric codes or keyboard combinations which give, you, uh, give the gamer an added advantage over the gamers who do not use a cheat code. A cheat code helps you get to another level. It helps you advance further than you could in the natural without without the cheat code. Uh, probably the most famous cheat code ever in video games is called the Konami code. And the Konami code uh, was developed by, um, by a, a developer who actually, it was made famous in a video game called Contra. as Nintendo game. Does anybody remember Contra? Is any old people? A few of you are old like me. Okay. So this game was impossible I bought it when I was a kid, scraping together my allowance from chores and things like that, and I bought this game called Contra, and it was a side-scrolling shooting game, so you are like, you're military personnel of some kind, and you're shooting aliens, and this, the game just goes sideways, and you're scrolling, and it was so hard, it was impossible, and I would get so frustrated, and I would play it, and it was fun, but I just couldn't, I couldn't go very far, and then one day my friend came over, Chad Rourke, I mentioned him a couple weeks ago, Cheated on uh, Duck Hunt with him. Anyway, <laughs> Chad sits down with me and he goes, Mel, I gotta tell you about something on Contra. And I was like, what's that? He said, there's a cheat code. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And he said, let me show you. And there's this code that you could put into the game and, and it would give you 30 lives instead of three. 
10 times the amount of lives, 10 times the amount of opportunities if you put in the cheat code. Without the cheat code, it's nigh impossible to finish the game. You just can't do it. But if you got the cheat code, you may be able to. That's how hard the game is. You can't finish it without the cheat code. And if, if you're old like me, you might remember what the cheat code is because I put it in so many times. The cheat code is up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, start. <laughs> and you're laughing, but some of you people are married to somebody who knows that code by heart. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are a bunch of old nerds in the room I know it by heart because I did it so many times. But here's the thing that I thought was interesting about that code. That code wasn't developed for the game Contra. It was actually developed for a game called Gradius. Um, and the guy who was developing the game, Gradius was, a, was an upright arcade game that Nintendo was adapting for its console. And they, they had one of their developers, um, he was tasked to, develop, to, to move it into the console, and his name was Kasuhisha Hashimoto. And Hashimoto, he was having a hard time, because one of the things developers have to do is they have to finish the game. So once the game's done, they have, to, they have to play through the game to make sure there's no bugs. But the game was so hard, he couldn't finish the game. So he developed this cheat code. Because he said, if I'm ever going to finish this game, I need an advantage. If I'm ever going to go further than I can in my own, I need the power-ups. I need all the advantages the game can offer, but, but I need them now in order to get to where I want to go. And here's what I want you to know. God's got a purpose and a plan for you. There are other levels he wants you to go to, but you can't get there without a power-up. You can't get there without a cheat code. There's a cheat code God has for you that he wants to use to empower you to go to the next level. So today we're gonna start in, in Acts chapter one. Now in Acts chapter one, um, Luke, he was a follower of Jesus. He, he wrote the book of Acts, but he also wrote the book of Luke. So if you read these two books uh, in order, it's one continuous story. So Acts picks up right where the book of Luke leaves off. And so the book of Luke leaves off with Jesus's ascension into heaven. And then the book of Acts picks up as telling part of that story. So before Jesus ascends into heaven, this is what it says in Acts chapter one, verse six. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, here's, here's their paradigm. Their point of view was Jesus showed up as the Messiah to overthrow the Romans and establish an earthly kingdom for Israel. And Jesus knows, and we know now through the power of hindsight, right, that that was not the case, but they misunderstood that. They thought, here's what Jesus' purpose is. And it's interesting because when they ask him the question, is it time yet for you to establish your kingdom? They don't say your kingdom. Did you notice that? Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom, is what they say. Oh, no, no, you're gonna be king, but I mean, it's our kingdom. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Have you ever had a, a friend at work that maybe was up for a promotion? And you're like, please get the promotion, please get the promotion, why? Because if they are your good friend and they got a promotion, that might mean something for you, right? Like, that doesn't hurt me a bit if I'm friends with a boss, because there's something in it for you. And the reality is, um, they, they were interested 
in authority. They were interested in power. They, they wanted power. They were tired of being beaten down by the Romans and, and being ground under the boot heel, being marginalized, being forgotten about. And they said, we deserve power. We wanna get out of this situation we're in. We're tired of being stuck in this place. We want some power and authority. We wanna be able to do something. Some things better change around here and I'm just the person to change it. Those are the ideas they had. And if you don't believe me, you can back and look at the disciples. They were uh, a hodgepodge. There were people in there that literally wanted to take the Roman government down by force. And it's interesting because they were interested in power. And Jesus sees that because they asked the question, when are you gonna be an authority? But really what they're saying is, when are we gonna be an authority? When are we gonna have the power? And Jesus responds back. Listen to what he says. He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and the times and they're not, found, uh, they're not for you to know. So he says, it's, that's above your pay grade, guys. <laughs> Chill out, right? Verse eight, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then after this is when he's taken into heaven. He ascends into heaven. It's interesting though. He says, you will receive power. He says, oh, you, you want power. Well, you're gonna get power. I'm gonna give you all the power you can handle. You're gonna get it. But this is, this is the thing. They wanted power to rule. I want power to govern. That's what I want. And he said, no, 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 I'm not gonna give you power to rule. I'm gonna give you power to serve. And we all want power to rule. We all wanna be the boss. But in the kingdom of heaven, in the economy of heaven, what, what Jesus values is power to serve and power to bless, and power to heal, and power to help. That's the power he values. And so he says, hey, I'm gonna give you power when the Holy Spirit comes. You're gonna get all the power you want. It's just not gonna be the power you think you need. Because we all wanna be the boss, but many of us don't wanna serve. What does he say? You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Um, for those of you that are new to Summit, um, we are a church that we believe in every part of the Bible. We believe every part of it is for us today. So when it talks about miracles and healing, we think that's for us today. If it's in there, it, it didn't stop being for us. It's, it's still for us. So if it's in there, it's for us. And I grew up in that kind of tradition. And um, we would talk about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we would talk about this verse in particular where it says, um, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I don't know about you, but that phrase comes upon you makes me a little nervous, or it used to. Because I used to think the Holy Spirit was like a mugger. Right? Like he would pop out of the bushes, be like, gotcha. And he'd be like, no, you know. He throws a bag over us and throws us in the back of a white van and just drives off. Like, Holy Spirit, stop it. That's not how it works, though. It's interesting because the Greek word here for comes upon you, it means to arrive or in the right timing arrive, but it also means to overtake. And that doesn't do anything to, to, to contradict my original thought that the Holy Spirit wants to overtake us. Um, but I wanna help you think about it this way. When the Holy Spirit and the, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit isn't coming to take over our life. Um, I used to think that we were powerless against the Holy Spirit. Like if the Holy Spirit moved in us, we were like a puppet, like we're a rag doll and he's just doing whatever he wants to with us. And that's not how that is. Uh, that's not how it is at all. I, I've said this 
As many times as I have talked about the Holy Spirit with our church, I've said this, the, the Holy Spirit isn't weird, people are weird. Weird people make the Holy Spirit look weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird at all. He's cool as a cucumber, he's awesome. We love the Holy Spirit. Weird people give the Holy Spirit a bad reputation though. He doesn't make us do anything. So if you see somebody doing something weird, it's because they're weird. <laughs> okay? He doesn't, he doesn't manipulate us. It's actually what scripture says is the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So what that means is the Holy Spirit only does what we give him permission to do. He's, he's not gonna take over. It's, it's not a... a, a overtaking process. That's not what he does. Um, when I was a teenager in, in junior high and, and even elementary to some degree, we had a rule in my house where I grew up that, um, that I had a strict bedtime during the school year. And, um, you know, as I got older, that got extended. Finally, by the time I graduated, I could stay up till 8 p.m. during the school year. It was great. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I think my bedtime when I got into high school was like 1030 or something like that. Um, but my parents understood, like, we want you to go to bed at a decent time. But when the school year was over with, summertime rolled around, all bets were off. They said, we don't care how long you stay up, whatever, whatever, that's fine. And so I would stay up till crazy hours of the night, just not even doing anything in particular. And I don't know about you, you might be old enough to remember. Do you remember uh, before cable, like, <laughs> this is a long time ago. We just had rabbit ears on our TV and we got ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, and then we had three local access channels in Oklahoma City. It was channel 34, 25, and 43. Those were the channels. That's all the channels we got. If it wasn't on there, you weren't watching it, okay? And you would watch TV and they would finish their late night broadcasting and then they would go to the infomercials. And it would be like one in the morning and you'd be watching some guy cut through a shoe with a knife. Like that's the broadcasting that was on at that time of night. And you'd be like, I think I need that in my life. I need that. I need a blanket that is actually a poncho and uh, you know, makes me look like a, a human. I need that in my life, right? Your mind gets weird late at night. And then after the infomercials were over, they would play a thing. It would say, this concludes our broadcast day. And then they would play the national anthem with a waving flag and like a bald eagle flying. And then the broadcast day would end, two in the morning, three in the morning, whatever it was. And then it would just be the color bars and it would be like, that's it. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Part of my goal was to stay up till the bars. <laughs> Why? Because I can. I'm a grown-up. I'm 10. I can stay up as late as I want. And I would be fighting it, man. Like, my eyes just, uh, but I'm waiting for the bars and now I can go to bed. The sweet release of the bars coming on and then I can go to sleep at night. Some of you have little kids that those kids can't stay awake. You know, they, it's time for them to nap, but they fight it. You put them in their bed, and they're like, nah, but you get them out, and then they're like, oh, it's like they're drunk or something. <laughs> they just can't keep their eyes open. What are they doing? Well, they're fighting sleep, aren't they? They're going, no, I am not going to sleep. They're fighting it. But what happens? Finally, they surrender to it. Finally, they're like, whatever, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm ready to sleep. And they just... They crash. What happens? Well, sleep overtakes them. Does it take them by force? No, they surrender to it. 
They, they finally stop fighting it and go, okay, I know this is what I need. And they surrender to it. And this is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Holy Spirit doesn't overtake us like that. He, he, he waits for us to surrender. He waits for us to say, okay, you know what? I, I, I wanna go to another level, but I can't keep doing this, so I surrender. I, I need something else. I need an empowerment. I need something more, but, but I know you're not gonna force, so I surrender to you. Holy Spirit, whatever you wanna do, I, I surrender. I, I trust you. I, I just want you to overtake me. And that's what he does. That's what he wants to do. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's interesting because for many people, we, we don't really understand who he is and what he does, but I want you to know this. I think God sent Jesus to earth to manifest the glory of God on planet earth. But I also believe he sent the Holy Spirit to manifest his glory through people. See, Jesus, he delivered the glory of God to planet earth. We could see it manifest in him. But I believe the Holy Spirit allows us to manifest the glory of God to the people all around us. And the result of this is twofold, to draw unbelievers and to encourage believers. And if the Holy Spirit isn't doing those things, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. It's something else. It's somebody behaving badly. See, if if the manifestation and the glory of God doesn't point people back to God, doesn't draw unbelievers and encourage believers, then it's probably not God. This is your litmus test. This is how you know if it's God or not. Who gets the glory for this? Who gets the attention for this? Uh, growing up, I, I grew up in this kind of culture. Ours was a little edgier probably in some ways. Um, but I always understood that that that. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. And there's definitely truth to this because Jesus says, right? You'll be my witnesses. You'll be empowered and then you'll be my witnesses. And, and, and I think there's something more to it than that. I think the Holy Spirit empowers us, but the result of that is we become a witness. Um, we get freaked out when we talk about witnessing because it's like, oh, we're imagining ringing somebody's doorbell and going, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? And the door just slams in our face and we're like, oh, Mel, making me do this, right? That's, that's not what it is. See, we get freaked out because we think uh, witnessing is for superhero Christians. Well, only the very special or the very knowledgeable can do that. Like Pastor Mel, he could, he could witness. Pastor Christina could witness. Pastor Kim, but I can't witness. But that's not the case. Um, witness, it's a, it's a Greek word that, that we get the word witness from. It's a legal term. It's martus is the word. And martus is, it means um, to, to share your experience in a legal setting, basically. Um, and so think about it this way. I've watched a number of legal dramas, so I feel like I'm an expert. And here's what happens. Whenever you have the witnesses in these dramas, um, they will inevitably have an expert witness. And in, in the show, it'll show them saying, well, here's what my credentials are. Here's where I got my degree from. Here's all the things I've done and all the things I've accomplished. And it establishes them as an expert witness. And then there's other people that they just share their experience. 
And they're not gonna ask them about the forensics. They're not gonna ask them about the um, pinging tower on the cell phones, things like that, because they don't know. They just know what they saw, what they experienced. And this is what I wanna do. I wanna help you understand. When Jesus tells us that we're gonna be witnesses, this does not mean you have to be a superhero to do it. All it means is he wants you to share your experience with him. So here's what happens. So many times we get petrified about sharing our experience because we think, well, what if they grill me? I don't have enough information. I'm not an expert. You're not supposed to be an expert. You're supposed to share your experience with Jesus. So when you're talking to somebody in the office and they're like, man, my marriage has been a mess. I don't know what we're gonna do. This is when the Holy Spirit goes, talk, dummy, right? Well, I, 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 man, I hate to hear that. My marriage was a mess too. It was hard. I mean, I didn't know how we were gonna make it. I thought we were gonna divorce. We started going to church. Man, Jesus, I don't know what happened, but man, our marriage just got healed. We just started serving God. And I can't explain it. I don't know what happened, but our, our marriage was healed. See, we're afraid if we have that moment, they're gonna go, well, if, if that's true, if, if God is a good God, then why are children born with cancer? If God's a good God, why, why didn't he answer my prayer? If God's a good God, why is there disease and sickness and, right? And we don't know the answer to that. And I say we, because I don't know the answer to that either. So do you know what I say whenever that happens? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, the, I'm not an expert witness. But I can tell you what my experience is. But man, I, I know I experienced God in my marriage being healed. I know I was addicted, but God broke the addiction of my life. I, I don't know about that stuff, but I know this. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be an expert witness. You don't have to be a superhero Christian. All you have to do is share your experience. Now, here's the interesting part. He tells his disciples to go wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit, for the power from heaven is what we'll see. Power from heaven is what he says. And before this, before his crucifixion, when he was arrested, they scattered like cockroaches when you turn the light on, right? They were gone. Why? Because they were afraid. They believed that he was Jesus, that he was the Messiah, but they really didn't have a conviction. And then what happens? You fast forward in the book of Acts. They go and they wait in the upper room. They get this empowerment from God from heaven, and then all of a sudden, their lives are changed. This word martus that I mentioned that means witness, it also is what we interpret today as, as martyr. And 10 of the 11 disciples that were left after Judas took his own life, they were martyred for the cause of Christ. And it was, they weren't martyred because they believed Jesus was a good teacher. They weren't martyred because they thought he was a moral man. They were martyred because they said, he's the son of God. He, he, he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. Now, you don't give up your life over something you believe, because I believe lots of stuff. But there are very few things that I would lose my life over. Those are convictions. And, and the difference is they experience the power of God. And the power of God is what moved them from belief to conviction. The power of God is what moved them from saying, this is something I like, I like Jesus, to saying, I will die for him. And I don't think that the Holy Spirit empowered them simply to be witnesses. I think the Holy Spirit empowered them and their experience was so incredible that it motivated them to witness. And I think that's one of the problems in our world today. We like Jesus, we believe in him, but we don't have a conviction about him. It's because we've never been empowered. We've never experienced him in such a way that it shifts our paradigm, it shifts the way we see him. We, we just like him so we can go to church or not. 
We can believe him or not. It's because we don't have a conviction about who he is. So let me jump in. I'm gonna read a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Last week, we talked about um, co-op, needing team to go to the next level. And we spent a lot of time in 1 Corinthians 12. So I wanna help you with this. If you were here last week, I'm gonna finish up 1 Corinthians 12 today. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to it and then you can get caught up. You'll get all of 1 Corinthians 12 and this will launch us nicely into the next series we're gonna do here in a few weeks. Um, so this is 1 Corinthians 12. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he's taking 12, 13, and 14 specifically to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and how he empowers us and how, how this should impact us as a church, as believers. So he says this in verse one. Now, dear brothers and sisters, Regarding your questions about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. And it's easy to misunderstand the gifts of the Spirit. So many people have so many questions that they've been taught certain things or they've seen certain things and we have a lot of misunderstandings. But, but something Jim Hennessy, he was here a few weeks ago, something he said that, that he and I talked about quite a bit that I thought was so important was that the mystical ways of God should lead to practical outcomes in the world. So we think of the mystical things um, and we think, ooh, we can never understand this and it's, ooh, it's in the ether and who knows. And, but one of the things he said that I thought was so powerful, he said, Jesus turning in the water into wine is mystical. We don't really understand it. But that served a practical application because if you were the, the, the event planner and you ran out of wine, that's, that's a practical utility that you need, right? So there's practical application for the mystical. And this should be the case, that when God moves in our lives, there should be practical application for that. There should be real problems solved in the world we live in. So when we look at this, we're not going to understand it. We're not gonna get all of it. We're not gonna be able to put all the pieces together. But this is where we have to be able to say, I see what the benefits are, and it's worth it. See, when I did my Konami code, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start. When I did that, I didn't know how the code was written. I don't know anything about binary. I don't know anything about it. But when my buddy told me, here's what the advantage is, I was like, I will sign up for that. Yes, please, I will do that. And I'm telling you, if we understand what the practical advantages are in our lives to power up, to have this cheat code, to, to the benefits of it, we won't have to figure out all the ins and outs. I think we're gonna say, yes, please, let's go. So Paul says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. First Corinthians 12, two says, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along and worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the spirit of, well, by the Holy Spirit. So Sometimes people are worried about doing the right thing or the wrong thing. I'm afraid I'm gonna get it wrong. And I said this earlier, your, your test is, does it bring glory to God? It, it, are we drawing unbelievers? Are we encouraging believers? If not, then it's probably not God. And he says here, people only confess Jesus as Lord by the Spirit. The Spirit is pointing people back to Christ, pointing people back to God the Father. That's what he does. 
Verse four says this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. And now this is some of the same language we talked about last week, that there are, there are many parts, but one body, that we work together, that, that there are different kinds of gifts, but they work together to bring God glory. Verse seven says, the spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I want you to catch this, both parts of this. The first part, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. It doesn't say to pastors, that each pastor is given a spiritual gift. To each elder, to each small group leader, to each, it says to each of us, all of us collectively. If you are a follower of Jesus, there is a gift waiting for you. I don't know about you, uh, I was not patient on Christmas day when I was a kid. I'm much more patient now that I'm an adult. When my girls were little and they would wake up at five in the morning and be like, daddy, it's Christmas. I was like, I know it's Christmas. I'm so excited, right? I'm a lot more patient than I was. When I was a kid, I would go and I wanted to tear open every gift. If I could open them the day before Christmas, deal. I didn't have to wait for Christmas. And I definitely was not the kid that was gonna leave a gift for later. Like, oh, I'll just leave that one for tomorrow maybe. Like that was not me at all. I wanna open all of them. I might even open a couple of yours while I'm down there if we're not careful, right? It's like the Tasmanian devil just tearing gifts open. That's what it felt like. But when it comes to our spiritual gifts, it seems like so many people are reticent that we will set our gift under the tree and we go, oh, look at the wrapping paper. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, it looks so special. I don't wanna, I don't wanna disturb it. And you know what? I, I feel selfish if I open it. I'm just gonna leave it. That's how a lot of us are when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And we think we're being noble or selfless, but I want you to know one of the most selfish things we can do is leave our gift wrapped under the tree. Do you know why? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. I want you to know this. I want you to hear this. The gift God has given you is not for you. The gift God has given you is for somebody else. God is depositing something in you that is not even for you. It is for the people around you. It's for your family. It's for your friends. It's for your coworkers. It's for your teammates. It's for your, your classmates. And so when we leave the gift unopened, we're hurting the people around us. When we are not exercising the gifts God has given us, it hurts the body of Christ. It hurts our family. It hurts everyone. So God wants us to see there's a gift for you. It's waiting for you. It's your gift. But your gift is not for you. It's for others. In fact, if you read the English Standard Version of the same verse, it says to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gifts that God gives the individual people are, are not even for us. It's for the common good. It's for all of us collectively to be blessed by what God is doing and how he's speaking and how he's empowering. That is who God is and what he wants to do. Verse eight says this, to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. And some of you are like, Mel, stop right there. I got this. I am smart and wise. I'm good. My buddy is always calling me about fantasy football advice and I'm always giving him the best advice. So I'm, I'm telling you, I maybe have the gift of wisdom. I'm pretty sure. I've got the gift of knowledge, right? Now, these specific gifts, 
Uh, it's not just talking about wisdom, generally speaking, because we should all be wise. Um, scripture calls for us to make wise choices, and to act wisely, live wisely. Um, so there's, a, there's an amount of wisdom we should have. But what this is talking about is a supernatural wisdom that goes beyond the natural. A supernatural wisdom, wisdom that is a deposit from heaven. And it might just be for a moment. It might be in the midst of a conversation. All of a sudden, just out of nowhere, bam, the Holy Spirit just drops something in your heart. You go, man, I want to share this with you. And it's wisdom that is beyond you. Same thing with knowledge. Um, there have been some times when I've talked to people and I felt like God just gave me a word of knowledge. There was something I knew about them, and it sounds weird to say it that way, that, that I shouldn't have otherwise known. And it was directly from God. And it sounds weird, but like I said, the mystical should produce practical results in our life. So, well, how is that practical? Well, if, if you're in desperate need of godly wisdom and God deposits that wisdom in somebody else and they speak it into your life, that's practical. Man, I'm, I'm struggling with decision. I don't know what to do. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I don't know what to do. And then somebody speaks wisdom into your life from God. It's like, well, that is practical stuff. That's applicable, right? Same thing for a word of knowledge. There have been times that, that people in our church will speak something to somebody else and they won't know the circumstances, the situation. They'll just speak and go, hey, I think God is saying about, I don't know. And there have been times that I've, I've done that with people where, I, man, I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me that maybe this is what you're feeling or dealing with or going through and is this accurate at all? Maybe I'm wrong. And it's amazing how the door will open for ministry. Man, I've been struggling with this. I didn't know who to tell. I didn't know how to talk about it. And all of a sudden, it's an opportunity to minister. Is that about me? No, it's about that person. It's about the common good. There's practical application to these things. These are gifts that are known as revelation gifts. Uh, that, those accompanied with the discerning of spirits in verse 10 that we'll read about in just a second. Um, the discerning of spirits is basically just a, a supernatural ability to be able to discern whether something is of God or not. And that, you might chalk that up at times to a gut feeling, but it, it's, it's a gift from God, that God will help you discern. Because there's times that there have been people in our lives that have looked smooth. Man, they look fantastic. They they check all the boxes, and there's been something to me. I go, ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've even had that situation with my wife where my wife was like, no, this person's awesome. They're great. I'm like, uh-uh. Does that mean I'm right? I'm smarter than she is? No, I just feel like in that moment, God said, hey, you, you need this because you're going to get hoodwinked. They're, they're going to pull the wool over your eyes. And God allowed me to be able to discern that in that moment. That's a gift. Same thing. There are, there are times that people might look at somebody and go, ooh, I don't know. But you discern that and go, man, I just feel like God's saying, partner with them, go here, be a part, whatever it is. That's, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And it provides practical good through that. Verse nine, the same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else the one spirit gives the gift of healing. So faith is another one that we should all have a measure of faith is what scripture says. Uh, but then there, there comes a time that maybe there are things that we need to believe for or believe about that we struggle with, that, that we have a level of faith that just isn't sufficient for the problem or the situation. And, 
And we need a gift of faith. We need to believe in greater ways. It's a deposit from heaven of faith that, that we need. And that faith can produce practical results in our life. It can produce encouragement in the people around us when they see our faith. It can do all kinds of things. The, the other one here is um, the gift of healing. And the third power gift, I would say, with the working of miracles, it's found in verse 10 that we'll read in just a second. Now, I don't know about you, um, miracles is not a part of my normal everyday life. It's not like Saturday mornings, Kim's like, what are you doing today? I'm like, you know what, I'll probably mow the lawn and I might go do some miracles. I don't know, we'll see. I'll head over to IRMC when we're finished here and just start healing a floor maybe, I don't know. Like, that's not a normal day for me. It's probably not for you either. But I'll tell you this, uh, there have been situations where people in our church have been prayed for and they've been healed, documented, healed literally uh, of very serious conditions. I, I would not say that I've normally function in that, um, but there have been a couple situations specifically that people have asked me to pray with them and I prayed for them and they were healed of pretty serious circumstance. It wasn't like, I sort of have a headache. Would you pray for me? I might pray for them and they're like, yeah, I think it might be better. I'm like, healed in the name of Jesus, right? Like, there's a situation with a family in our church um, uh, they asked me to pray for their child. And we were standing right back by the main doors at the end of one of our services. And they asked, and I said, sure. And Pastor Dick was there and we prayed and we just prayed a, a prayer. We believed. It was a pretty serious situation. And about a week later, uh, the mom reached out and said, hey, I just wanna let you know we haven't had any more situations with our child since then. And that was a, that was a huge deal. And when she told me that, I went, really? <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I mean, of course I knew God would do that because... But here's the thing, um, I think God will use willing vessels to reveal his glory to the world. So if, if we're willing, there's situations we're in where he goes, hey, that, that little girl needs a healing. So I'm gonna use you because you just happen to be there. You're a willing vessel that I'm gonna use. To, as the gift of healing is gonna flow through you. It's not about you, it's for the common good. I just happen to be there. It has nothing to do with me, I can tell you that. Everything to do with the power of God flowing through me. But it produced a practical result. Because if you've ever been a parent praying for a child's well-being, for their health, you know how desperately you want that and what you would do to see that happen. And you know the difference it makes when you see your child better. Working of miracles, I think if you're breathing in and out, there's probably been a point, a point in your life that you've needed a miracle. You've needed God to show up. And when he did, you knew the effect of that. And when, when God uses us to see miracles performed in people's lives, it is powerful. And I believe it is for today. I believe it's for us because I think we need miracles. We need healing. We need restoration. We need prophet, prophetic words. We need this stuff more than ever before. Let me read verse 10. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another to the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And, and these, this last group are speaking gifts. These are gifts that, that God speaks through us, uh, whether it's an unknown language or an interpretation of an unknown language or prophecy. And these are the ones that people start getting weird about, that it feels weird. Um, but we see in the book of Acts, the, the, the men that were in the upper room, they come down and they 
begin to preach, but they're preaching in languages they don't even know. They're speaking in tongues. But there are people gathered from all over the world in Jerusalem, and they're all hearing their language spoken by these men. And it's the power of God that's what allowed them to do that. And what we see in the book of Corinthians is that when there's a corporate worship gathering, if there's ever a message in an unknown language, Paul gives instruction, it better be interpreted because it's gonna cause confusion, it's gonna be weird, so there better be an interpretation accompanied with that, whether that's in a corporate worship gathering in a small group or whatever it is. So that's important. I think one of the ones people get really weird about is prophecy because we think prophecy is foretelling the future. And really what prophecy is, is, is much more practical than that. Uh, prophecy, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. That's really what prophecy is. It's, it's um, speaking what God speaks to you. This is, this is how simple it really is. Prophecy is just speaking what God is speaking to you about this situation. Here's what I feel like God is saying to me. Here's what I feel like God sees. Here's what I feel like, and, and it should bring these three things, encouragement, comfort, strength. Like I said, the, the mystical ways of God should lead to practical outcomes in our life. The last verse I'll read to you is 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It says, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The Holy Spirit is distributing gifts. He is empowering us to go to the next level and to help others go to the next level as well. Your gift is not about you. It's about the common good. And if, we've le if we're leaving our gift unopened, unwrapped, it's hurting us, but really it's hurting the body. I said this earlier. Uh, life is hard. Life is hard. Um, work is hard. Family can be hard. Finances, life is just hard. We need a cheat code. We need something that's gonna empower us. We need something that's gonna help us go to the next level because we can't do it on our own strength. I want you to understand this too. There is not a special section in heaven for people who are empowered by the spirit and then everybody else sits somewhere else in the back. There are not... Um, a plus Christians and B plus Christians, we are Christians. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, this is a secondary doctrine. I think it's important. I think it's valuable. I think he will help you in your life. But the primary doctrine is Jesus. Jesus crucified, Jesus risen, Jesus alive and well at the right hand of God, God the Father. That's primary. So there are no second class citizens when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. But I want you to understand this, that I think God desperately wants you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, I've got to go so the Holy Spirit can come. You need to experience him. But yet we've left him on the shelf. But I think it's time for us to go to the next level. I want to give you that opportunity. In Luke, at the end of Luke, when Jesus is telling his disciples to wait in the upper room. He says, hey, stay here in the city, stay here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Power from heaven. I want you to know this. Um, Blairsville needs power from heaven. Indiana needs power from heaven. Your school needs power from heaven. Your work needs power from heaven. Your family needs power from heaven. Our church needs power from heaven.
How does that happen? We wait on the Holy Spirit. So we invite the Holy Spirit come, overtake us. We surrender. That's what I'm inviting you to do today. Hey, right now I'm gonna turn it over to our host in Blairsville. They're gonna close out the rest of this time together and they're gonna give you an opportunity to respond. I want you guys to know I love you more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. So this weekend, as I said, the primary doctrine is Jesus. He's first and foremost, he is preeminent above everything else. So I wanna give you an opportunity. If, you, if you're not in relationship with Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity to surrender your life to him because that's where this all begins and that's what this is all about. But I also wanna challenge you. Maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for a while, but you've been a little un, uneasy about who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in our lives and the gifts of the Spirit. I wanna encourage you, just ask God to give you wisdom. Just ask God to help you see truth. And I know he will if you ask. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes over this place. Lord, we invite you to move how you wanna move, to speak in our lives. I pray for those that don't know you, that have never really surrendered their lives to you. Maybe, maybe they come to church all the time or go to church, but, but they recognize that there's something missing in their walk with you. And Lord, I pray that today would be the day we surrender our lives fully and wholly to you, that, that we hold nothing back. And we acknowledge you as king. We acknowledge you as master and ruler of our lives. And I pray that that would make all the difference. So God, I pray for those here that their hearts would be softened and ready to receive everything you've got for them. Lord, I pray for those that are here that, that know you, but they're struggling with this idea of who the Holy Spirit is and his empowerment. I pray that God, you would um, draw them, not through a clever, presentation, but Lord, draw them by your spirit. Help them sense in their heart what you're doing, what you're speaking. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them gently to you. And I pray that God, there would be a moment of surrender where we wouldn't be overtaken, but where we would just say, okay, I want you to have your way. Just like sleep overtakes us, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would overtake us in that way. God, I pray that we would see that it is for the common good. It's, it's not just for this church, but it's for our community. It's for what you wanna do in Indiana and in Indiana County in this region. So God, I pray that none of us would leave our gift wrapped. So God, speak to us in these next few moments. With nobody looking around with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you would say to me, Mel, I know I'm not really serving God, but I know I need to be, I know I wanna be, I'm tired of doing life the way I've been doing it and I realize I need a savior. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you right where you're at. So if you'd say to me, Mel, include me in this final prayer. I, I wanna surrender my life to, to Christ today. Would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it? And you can put it right back down. If you'd say, Mel, pray for me. Include me in this final prayer. Yeah, thank you on my left. Awesome. Who else would say, Mel, pray for me. I wanna be included in that prayer. I wanna surrender my life to Christ. Yeah, thank you, on my right, I see you. Anyone else, real quickly, wanna join these? Yeah, thank you, sir, on my left, I see you. Praise God. The book of Romans tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What this says is, if we pray a prayer, God will forgive us. We have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Our words and our heart will be transformed whenever we confess it, whenever we say this is what we believe and our heart 
follows that as well. So I want to encourage you. We're going to pray a prayer together. I want you to repeat a prayer after me, but I don't want you to repeat it mindlessly. I want you to pray this prayer from the core of your being. So I want everybody in this place to pray this prayer with me. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your one and only son, to pay the penalty for my sins on the cross. Forgive me for my sin, for the way I've lived, and the things I've thought. From this moment forward, my life is for your glory. Use me however you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, Scripture says you're a new creation, and we'd love to help you take the next step. Simplest thing for you to do would be to take the card out of the seat back in front of you. You can take it over to our info center when we get finished here in just a moment and let them know about your decision. They're gonna point you in the right direction. Uh, they're gonna let you uh, get you some resources. They're gonna tell you about Starting Point. That's a group for people that are new to their faith or returning to their faith. We'd love to help you get connected with that. If you can't reach a card or you're watching online, you'd prefer to, simply text Summit PA to the number 94,000. When you do that, we'll respond back. If you'll select the prompt that says salvation, uh, we'll be able to get some resources in the mail to you and help you take the next step as well. So please take advantage of that. We wanna help you go to the next level. Um, here's what's gonna happen right now. I'm gonna pray a final prayer of blessing over you as we're dismissed. And uh, as I'm praying that prayer, some of our team is gonna join me here in the front of this room. And they're gonna be here to pray with you no matter what your need may be. So if you're here today and you would like somebody to pray with you, as we're being dismissed, make your way forward and let one of our team pray for you. Um, but I wanna encourage you, if, if you're here today and maybe you're feeling like, man, I need that power that you were talking about. We would be honored to pray with you before you go. And I promise we're not gonna make you drink any Kool-Aid. We're not gonna do anything weird. We're just gonna pray for you. And we'd be honored to do that. But maybe you're not quite ready to take that step. That's okay. Um, there's, there's a brochure that looks like this one out in our lobby at our info center. And this talks about, here's our perspective on the Holy Spirit. Here's who the Bible says he is. Here's what he does. And here's what you need to know. So if you want to explore that a little bit and pray about it in the next few weeks, please pick one of these up from our info center and just pray and say, God, show me, show me. And I promise he will. So let me pray for you as our team joins me up here. Lord, we thank you for all you've done in this place today. Thank you for people who have said yes to you. Thank you for people who have recommitted their lives to you. I pray as we leave here today, we would be blessed, God. And I pray that we wouldn't be blessed for us, but Lord, bless us so that we can be a blessing. Use us as a conduit to be good to our world. I pray that we would reflect your goodness to every person we come into contact with. And I pray that you would be glorified. So God, I pray an incredible blessing on this place, on these people, those watching online, that as we are finished, here today. God, we're going to carry your glory with us everywhere we go, that we're going to be a reflection of that and manifest your glory wherever we go, whoever we come into contact with. So God, let it be so, so that your name could be made famous in Indiana County and beyond. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Guys, I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have an awesome day.